You're listening to Movers and Shakers, the SailMove podcast on customer experience. SailMove, delivering the in-person customer experience online. To learn more, visit SailMove.com. I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SailMove, and welcome to Movers and Shakers, the podcast that explores the world of customer experience through conversations with the influential business leaders tasked with delighting their customers at each and every opportunity. Today, our CEO, Dan McKelly, will be speaking to Steve Anderson, President of the Anderson Network and Executive Editor of the Anderson Agency Report. Steve is an influential advisor to the insurance industry, and in this episode, shares a wealth of knowledge concerning the importance of customer experience as a differentiator in an increasingly commoditized space. Steve also shares what the future may look like for insurers online and discusses the role that artificial intelligence and human collaboration may play. Welcome to another episode of Movers and Shakers, the customer experience podcast. Our mission is to find leaders who understand the importance of customer experience and learn from specific projects that they've worked on. Today, our guest is Steve Anderson. Steve is president at the Anderson Network, an authority on insurance agency productivity, technology, and profits. He's also the executive editor of the Anderson Agency Report, a monthly electronic publication that contains practical, up-to-date information for maximizing insurance technology investments. And Steve is also a very sought-after keynote speaker. He's spoken at over 40 events in 2016. So welcome, Steve. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. So uh, I'd like to start out with our classic question. How do you define customer experience? Well, I think that's certainly what's changing. And I would say if I put it into a short definition, it's how a business makes their customers feel. Because uh, people won't remember what you do, won't necessarily remember what you say, but they will remember how you treat them and what you do. Um, a quick example of that in my own experience, I uh, was at a meeting uh, in um, Denver and uh, stayed at a uh, Westin hotel uh, and had just recently signed up for their uh, you know, awards program. I don't stay there very often and um, had gotten up to my room. We went out for a late lunch, came back. My wife was with me, came back, and there was this um, a plate uh, in our room. And it was a small, you know, not very big at all, cup of cake. Uh, and it said, happy birthday, with a handwritten note. And by the wow. way, I actually did look at it uh, under the light, and it was handwritten. And <laughs> I, it that to me just is a, such a great example of creating an experience. I wasn't a huge loyal follower of the chain. I was new, but they had a process in place to identify my birthday. Now, that's easy, right? It was on my profile. No big deal. But they had a process in place for somebody, either front desk or somebody in the back office, to say, hey, we've got a guest here whose birthday is in the next day or two. They had pre-made these little cakes, nicely decorated, uh, and somebody took a few minutes to write a nice note. Hey, Mr. Anderson, thank you for coming to our hotel and just uh, wanted to wish you a happy birthday. That's amazing. Wow. And, how, and so how did that make you feel as a customer, right, in, in asking, in applying your definition? Well, yeah, I w it was a wow. I mean, it was like, really? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, because of my background, I started going, 
Well, they had to have a process in place. You know, this doesn't just happen naturally. Um, so it was a great experience and great management to be able to identify some of these customer touch points that can actually make someone feel cared for. Right. So that, which is, which is a good point. And I think that thinking about customer experience within the, through the lens of a feeling is, is both interesting and challenging a little bit, because how do you kind of quantify that? And how do you think about that as a company? Because you're right, you have to have all these processes that, that, uh, you know, support that feeling that you want to create, right? Right, exactly. You know, it's having having somebody think about the process, having somebody actually put it together and implement it, and training your employees that this is a good thing. And honestly, when you think about it, you know, what did it cost them? Um, maybe five bucks, maybe yeah. a, little, a little bit, but, of time. right? Not yeah. very much. Right. And they had no idea, but I've used that example in front of hundreds of insurance agents. Uh, my primary audience, as an example of what are you doing in your business to create that same feeling? And my mm -hmm. question to them is, is that customer service? No, it's a customer experience. Um, and and yeah. for me personally, I, I really am working at, and it's actually fairly difficult, but I'm working at actually not using the words customer service anymore because that's not what companies need to be doing. They need to be answering questions. They need to be taking care of those problems that come up. But if they're not also in that same process, creating an experience that people resonate with, then they're not going to continue to be successful because people really want an experience today. Right. It's a broader, it's a broader uh, term that allows you to encompass a lot more, you know, if, if both when the, before the customer, it really becomes a customer and afterwards as well. It, it's kind of a, 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 like I said, more broad term. So, so I think I, I really like your definition. I think it's, it's, it's very elegant. Like I said, I think that the, the key there is trying to understand what are the underlying processes that create that feeling for the customer. So what are the challenges, and you know, we're talking about insurance a little bit. So what are the challenges that the insurance agents or industry faces when it comes to providing a better experience for the customer? And how's that different from other industries? Well, I'll start with the, the last comment first. I, I, I don't know that it's all that different for a lot of other, other industries. I think they all face the issue of changing consumer expectations. And I mean, that's everything from a device in your hand that gives you access to the world's information and a device that allows you to interact with that information whenever needed. Another quick example, fairly recently, I downloaded the mobile app for one of my credit card providers. And I didn't realize it at the time, but one of the uh, features or I would say benefits of using that mobile app is that it sends me real-time notification when a charge is processed through mm -hmm. my credit card. And it'll pop up a little you know, notification on my screen that says you know, such and such amount has been approved from such and such a company. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, it allows me to monitor in real-time, right, fraud, which is a huge issue with... Um, credit cards certainly, it 
helps me maintain control of spending and those kinds of things. And it also creates an expectation of them touching me a lot. Uh, and so again, all of that creates a, a different ex experience and expectation. Well, when you look at industries and certainly the insurance industry, why in the world aren't we thinking about what are those touch points where we could interact with our customers, our clients, and actually help reinforce the idea that we are providing more value to them? Mm -hmm. I, my, my view of a credit card provider shifts a bit because would I go move to a credit card provider that didn't have that? Maybe, you know, maybe if the fees were better or something like that. But again, it's how it makes me feel and how much of a control it gives. So for insurance, you know, if I've forgotten to pay my premium and I'm going to be canceled or, right, there's, I, or I have a claim or my claim payment has been processed and should show up in my bank account within mm -hmm. a day or two. Or, so I can think of all kinds of things where we could provide that same type of experience and we aren't right now. I mean, that's, to my knowledge, very limited in terms of the number of providers that might be doing something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the challenge comes from the fact that insurance is a very unique type of product or financial products in general are, are in unique in the way in, in, in a certain way. And in my mind, it's the way that they're unique is really that they're not a physical product, right? This is not something I'm not buying a computer or a a phone, you know, and having a large part of the customer experience be my use, my usage of the product on a day to day basis, or the usability of the product. I think the very much, <clears throat> very much uh, of the product or the customer experience, when it comes to insurance comes from those touch points, right? It's, it's a virtual, it's yeah. essentially a virtual product. So a lot of the interaction that we can have with the insurance agency or the carrier it, it is is the product itself. So the customer experience, I think, becomes paramount in those cases. Yeah, and I think customer touch points become paramount also. As you say, if I'm utilizing a product or service consistently, uh, there's more opportunity for that value translation to take place. For an insurance contract, a policy, I really am buying a promise to make me whole if I suffer a financial loss, be it a car accident or a fire in my house or, mm -hmm. right, um, or, or I get sick and go to the doctor. Uh, and in fact, you know, what's kind of interesting, which makes it a bit of a challenge, is if I have too many of those claim interactions, you know, now my coverage is at jeopardy because from the insurance company perspective, I am higher risk. So mm. there's you know, historically been a bit of an adversarial relationship there. Now, what's interesting, and I'm tracking quite closely as a new startup uh, selling in New York State only right now, um, homeowners insurance and apartment insurance. So if I don't own a home, but I have an apartment, I still have stuff that could be destroyed or stolen, so I need insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Lemonade. And Yep, Their kind of big push is to rethink this whole customer experience process from initial purchase through claim payment settlement process. And I don't have an opinion yet on their ultimate 
success in that from an actuarial standpoint, but they certainly are redefining what a customer experience process might look like for the insurance industry. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Steve. I think that it really is, you know, it, it's how do you how do you create an experience around this promise, right? And how right. how do you supplement it with the right touch points and and it can really be a huge differentiator because oftentimes the customers don't really necessarily see the differences outside of their interactions themselves, outside of the interactions themselves that they have with the company, you know? So it, it, it is very important. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit and I wanna talk a little bit about the featured project for today. And uh, that is guided conversations. So, so tell us a little bit about this, Steve. Uh, what, what are guided conversations or what is guided conversations? Well, there are certainly, um, I think everybody can recognize a uh, wave of technology continuing to come at us and it seems to be coming at us faster than it ever has. And part of that is this whole area of artificial intelligence and machine learning and uh, uh, branch thinking. I mean, there's this kind of this big umbrella in all of those areas. And so what with guided conversations we are working on doing is really a, a kind of a sliver or a niche within there. And the, the first focus is to help insurance agents, the insurance industry, with how do I have that interaction with my customer in a way that is cost effective and provides a better customer experience at the same time. So what we're starting with is a process that most agents know they should do, but often don't do because of the cumbersome nature, which is for your automobile insurance or your homeowner's insurance, your agent should be contacting you every year, usually you know 30 to 60 days before that policy renews, and ask you a series of questions, basically looking to uncover what's changed in your life in the last year and how might that impact your insurance coverage, the program that we've put together. So we started with homeowners. And so the guided conversation is, it, I, really you can think about it as a decision tree type conversation. So mm -hmm. I hesitate to call it machine learning because it's really not that yet, but it's on its way to that. But it's taking and customizing a conversation using a digital platform. So we've got an agent right now that's uh, testing, beta testing for us and getting some real world experience. They, 60 days prior to the homeowner's renewal, they send out an email and basically the email says, your policy is coming up for renewal and we'd like to update some information to make sure what we have about you is current and understand any things that might have changed. And so there's a series of questions. Um, and, uh, you know, consumers may not un realize all of this, but there's quite a bit of, of items that, if they change, could cause significant coverage gaps. And nobody wants that. The agent doesn't want that. Certainly the individual doesn't want that. And so they're trying to over uncover what those gaps might be. So, for example, I won't go through all the questions, but uh, one of the questions is, on your home, have you done any renovations or additions to your home in the last year? 
Well, that's a pretty significant question because if they have and haven't informed their agent, then there could be a gap in the amount of coverage available to the home. Let's say, heaven forbid, it burns to the ground. And the amount available and the true amount that will cost to actually rebuild the home. Sure. See, one of the confusing areas is the value on the insurance policy is the cost to rebuild the home, not what it's worth, not what you could sell it for, mm-hmm. not any of those, but how much it would cost for all the construction and the contractor and right all of that stuff, and all the new personal items that you want in there. So that's a question, and then we are able to take the answer. So we ask, you know, if the answer is yes, then we ask a couple more questions. What was the renovation? Let's say a kitchen, a common renovation for people. And we ask, how much did it cost? How much did you spend on the renovation? So the real key fact, uh, question there is the amount. And so in this agency's case, if it's over $20,000, then we automatically adjust our report, our suggestions at the end of this process to say there could be a coverage gap, not enough insurance to pay for replacing your home. If you needed that, we should have a conversation to update that amount. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be uh, other potential areas. Did you uh, Have you had a new pet? Uh, in right. the last year? If so, what was it? A dog, cat? If a dog, what breed? Again, big issue with dog bites, one of the bigger liability claims that homeowners face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a question about have you purchased or inherited any jewelry, furs, um, guns? All of those items in a typical homeowner's policy have limitations on the amount of coverage provided. Again, we don't want surprises if somebody comes in and steals jewelry that there was only $2,500 of coverage on your insurance policy, not 50000 which is what the value of the jewelry was. So, Steve, I'm, I'm, get, so, so I'm getting an email, and, and basically I open up a link, and then I, I'm getting these questions uh, sort of – What's so, the, walk um, me through the, 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 the uh, policyholder's yeah, so experience. You get, you get the email, uh-huh. uh, and obviously you could be reading that email on a desktop computer, on a laptop computer, or on a mobile device. Uh, the link that, that is included, you touch on it if you're on a mobile device and you're taken mm-hmm. to a mobile responsive site um, yeah. questionnaire, right? So it's mobile responsive. And in fact, what's really interesting is we're finding in tracking the analytics that uh, 35% of the people that are completing the questions are using a mobile device, uh, primarily an iPhone. Which interesting. Is interesting. Yeah, Go at ahead. the end the individual actually gets a PDF report of here's the question, here's what you answered, and here's some more information about your coverages and maybe some gaps that we should address. So you mm-hmm. should call us, email us, right? multiple ways of, of communicating back with the agent to actually fill in the details that are, that are necessary. See how many, that's really interesting. And how many questions do you do or is, are included in the questionnaire typically? Yeah, that's a that's um, an interesting problem or dilemma. Meaning, we don't want to include too many, so it takes too long to complete. But we need to include enough to get the information that we need. 
Um, in this case, and actually I don't remember now how many quest actual questions are included, uh, but on average, again, looking at analytics and how long people are on the site, uh, it's taking a, a, around five minutes, about five and a half to six minutes or less to for people to, to jump through the entire process. Got it. And tell us a little bit, of the, I mean, this sounds fascinating. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about the results. So I guess, how are you measuring the results, benchmarking these results? And, and what have you seen from, you know, the folks that are, 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 are handling the renewals in this fashion? Yeah. So typically, uh, if an agent is sending out, and they might actually mail out or e email out a form, like a you know PDF form or you know a paper form, if they're physically mailing it, the response rate on that, the numbers that are returned are very low, like one percent um, type, because who wants to take time? They have to either print it out if it's emailed or put it back in an. I mean, it's just cumbersome. Right, and so there, historically, it just hasn't had uh, a very good response. We are getting consistently getting thirteen and a half percent response. Wow! So the agency that's doing this is ecstatic. Wow, that's that's fantastic. What what do you think? Why do you think that the, that it's generating these results? Is it the particular use case of renewals, or or kind of? Talk to us a little bit about anecdotally, why do you think it's working so well? Well, I think if, honestly, to go back to the experience, the experience is so much better. Mm -hmm. um, we're, you, I mean, we, most people, high per, higher percentage of people are used to a digital online process. If we can make that streamlined and easy to use, people will spend five minutes to get it, and then it's reinforced with the information that they get back. So um, you know, I think that's certainly a, a good part of it, uh, and they're getting a benefit. So it's a positive touch point for the agency saying, yes, we are your agent here, and we are looking out for your best interest. We're going to be touching at least once a year, if not more often. Mm -hmm. It's personalized, so it's, it's based on exactly how I answered the questions, not a generic all of this, you know, I, I'm trying to fill out all of these questions when – Half right. of them don't even apply to me, right? Yeah, so I'm shortcutting my time. So I can get through, I don't have a pet, you know, I didn't buy any jewelry, I didn't, I can get through those just real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it may only take two or three minutes um, and uh, I provide the right information back. Wow, so what a, what a tremendous touch result. point for the client. Yeah, what yeah, a tremendous. And, and for the agency, so here, here's again, two real examples from this agency. They, they had two accounts two homeowners policies, both of which had renovations that they did not tell the agency about. Uh, in one case, the renovation value as a major kitchen remodel was over $60,000. And then again, brand new kitchen and all of that kind of stuff. Well, that's a pretty significant coverage gap that now has been plugged. The client is better protected, the agency is protected from the client coming back and saying, why didn't you ask me to update my information? Um, and again, another positive touch point. And the agency is selling more insurance. I was just, all yeah. kinds of benefits. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so they're, they're making more money. They're, they're, they have a client that's going to stay with them longer. So the lifetime value goes up. There's just a lot of positive things that are going on here.
Yeah, I was gonna. I was actually gonna point that out as well. It seems like a great touch point for for upselling or cross selling in, in addition. And and I guess goes to my question: what what are the what are some of the other applications that you see for this within insurance? Uh, and and how how do you see this evolving from here? Where do you where do you hope it goes from here? Well, we we see right now at least two other use cases for this technology. Um, the first is employee augmentation, meaning not customer-facing now, but internal employee-facing. There are a lot of complicated questions that customers could ask. For example, a, a very common one is, I'm going on vacation and I'm renting a car. Should I buy the rental car company collision damage waiver mm -hmm. right, at 20 bucks a day or whatever to protect the car against any accidents or anything that might happen? very common question, which actually is fairly complicated because then I to really answer it correctly. I, I need to know, is it a business trip or a personal trip? And is it a business credit card or a personal credit card? Because there's potentially some coverage under your credit card. There's potentially some coverage under your personal auto policy, but potentially. But with that information, now I can guide you to a personalized, customized answer. And this could be the employee who doesn't know the, the answer, hasn't had enough training or years of experience in researching this that is providing to the client a consistent and correct answer. And there are lots of examples of that. So we can build conversations around any question you can ask and provide the right answer to it. So so that's the first use case, meaning an internal sort of uh, an internal mechanism for employees to get those right answers for the policyholders, right? Correct. So it's a training piece and a consistent answer to the client piece. So it's it it does both of those things. Right. Wow. And and you and know, I the, go ahead. The, yeah, I wanted to ask I was about say the, the third use case, which is similar. So think about all those questions, but more and more people want to go online and ask those questions. So think about replacing your FAQ page on, a, on your website with a search box that says type in your question. Well, we are currently able to parse words and phrases out of the question and then either send them directly to a conversation or list the relevant conversations based on the keywords um, and let them select which one most closely approximate, approximates what their answer is. Right, just making uh, so it a much now, more natural way of asking a question, right? Yeah. It, yeah. And again, the same idea is an FAQ on a website provides generic answers, what we are now calling frequently answered questions, because now mm -hmm. we're providing a personalized answer based on that individual's particular circumstance. Really interesting, Steve. The, yeah, the trick is, honestly, is to really think through the conversation. Uh, and literally, we've spent a year learning how to put conversations together. Uh, we started working on this project uh, a year ago, December, and it's really taken us this long to really understand how you structure the conversation how you post the questions, 
making sure you know what additional information you need to provide the right answer. Uh, so it's it's a combination of the platform itself that allows us to be created, but also the intellectual property. Of course. Uh, and right now we're focusing on insurance, but the intellectual property of okay, what are the answers? What's the correct question? What's the you know all, all of that that goes into making the conversation actually viable. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's a decision tree, as you were saying initially, right? And having somebody that understands right. that decision tree, that can understand the different places that the conversation can go, codifying that into something that's usable is supremely important because otherwise you create a, an experience for the customer that's not very positive because, you know, the, the chatbot doesn't understand necessarily what that person is talking about and gets lost. So, exactly. Starting it off on the right foot, really important in order to drive adoption and drive trust into into these types of platforms. Correct. Um, you know, and we are building in the ability. Actually, actually, it's already there now. But as we get more data through the system, that's where the machine learning type of idea will help us better understand and more automate those key words so we refine that down to provide a much more personalized response to questions etc so mm -hmm. um, that's on the on the horizon once you have yeah once you have that foundation let me actually flip that question around uh, and ask you, you know, I ask kind of where are the other applications for this, right? What are the other use cases? How do you feel about where guided conversations or chat pops may not be as good a fit uh, or where you need to, at what point do you need to take these guided conversations and layer in a human conversation? Well, and I, and I think that's key. Um, we certainly don't see this replacing agents. Uh, the, the phrase that, that we've really honed in on is augmenting what they do. There are so many questions that are asked that are common questions. And to the individual client, they're unique, but to the agency, they're extremely common. So if we can provide that first layer of expertise, advice, and then add to that, and th this is part of what we do in the conversations is, we always say, this is some basic information, but in order for us to really hone in on your particular situation, let's have a conversation either by phone, and the phrasing we use is, you know, call our office at any time, anyone here can help you. We don't want to reach out to you because we don't want to be an interruption. So call us or contact us or email us at your convenience, and we'd be more than happy to have a conversation to refine this further. Um, and yeah. it, it's 24-7, right? That initial process is 24-7, and then we can pull in the individual and, and talk about the, any – again – now we're getting to the real advice and value added level and we've taken care of those initial questions that's more efficient for the client and more efficient for the agency right i couldn't agree more i think that uh, you know basically our belief at sale move is that for for higher complexity conversations right that then higher touch and that human interaction becomes the the way to go right so using Absolutely. 
Right. So using, uh, we, we, you know, we provide co-browsing. So using the co-browsing to let the businesses guide customers on the site and then also video chat, creating this really deep connection. Once the conversation uh, becomes more high touch or complicated, it, that creates a very nice experience for the customer. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I have to say, um, and you didn't pay me to say this, but I'm really intrigued with the <laughs> co-browsing capability uh, because uh, Again, more and more people are used to interacting online, and so that reach out touch could be right there on the site, meaning, hey, would you like to have a conversation right now? Don't call us. We're available to you right now to go in deeper than what this initial conversation has has allowed you to do. Uh, and the video, um, you know, we've talked a bit about uh, in prior conversations about video, I'm just a huge advocate of video, and the insurance industry, at least, has been real put offish. Um, and I think it's, dare I say, vanity. And, and I'm falling into mm -hmm. that same group. I hate looking at myself on video. Yet, what a what a great way to create that visual connection with somebody else. Video can be a very powerful tool. Maybe not quite as powerful as face to face, but really close. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, I think that it's interesting how there there was this pendulum swing, right? You know, we we want to enable uh, this these digital transformations, kind of going to one end where you have self serve and all of these great technologies to facilitate the process, and then you know traditionally we had this on the other end of the spectrum, we have these human interactions, right? And our belief is, you know, how do you bring like you said, augmenting the human connection with technology. And that's why right. le leveraging video is so compelling because you can create that face-to-face -face using technology. Same with co-browsing. All of a sudden, we're on the same page. I can teach you how to do these things in the future uh, so that you can self-serve in the future, right? So you're avoiding, you're doing next issue avoidance in that case. So I think that just all around, it's kind of finding that right balance is really what it's all about. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and too many, a lot of people that I talk to, again, this is where the insurance industry is uh, perhaps a little more reluctant to uh, move faster into the technology uh, uh, piece of this. But um, it, it's really key to understand that technology is a, a servant to the relationship. It doesn't replace the relationship. And I think too many insurance people view it as a competition or replacing the need for them. And, and I don't see it that way. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think that, that that's, that's the way to think about it. It's, it's an augmentation. It's a tool. It's something that we can leverage to enhance the experience, to enhance the relationship building, to enhance that human connection, or even simply to just be able to offer that human connection that may be lacking in certain cases. Um, yep, absolutely. So uh, that's super interesting. Thanks for sharing, uh, you know, what you're up to with guided conversations. I hope to hear a lot more about it as, as it progresses, as you get more results, more agents using it. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, how, how do you, how important do you think, uh, I just wanted to wrap up with our lightning questions and I wanted to ask you, how do you import, how important do you think that customer experience is for insurance agencies that you're working with and your experience kind of in the, you know, with your clients? Well, it, it's hugely important 
and it's a transition that more and more agencies are making from thinking about of of what they do being customer service versus creating a great customer experience. And in my presentations, that's just an underlying theme that I'm trying to drive to them. And more and more agents are understanding that because, frankly, they're experiencing that themselves. And once they make that connection, it certainly helps driving it forward. Now, part of the issue is the insurance industry is pretty complicated. So you've got insurance companies who actually provide the product, the policy. Mm-hmm. You've got many insurance agents who are the distribu- distributors of that, and and you've got you know vendors and others that help with that process. Um, so it's even more important that the industry works together because, for example, in a claims experience. The agency has a lot to do with it, but the final decisions with the insurance company claim department. So now, if you've got you know different experiences between those two organizations, that becomes problematic for the client. Uh, so cooperation yeah. and understanding the experience throughout the process is really key, and, and that's not happening as well as it could or I think will in the future right now. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really interesting. I, I, you know, it's it is going back to the fact that the touch points are sort of the product in itself. It, I think insurance creates a it, it has like you you know as you described several challenges, but also since it has a, a, a breadth of opportunity, it has a breadth of touch points. There's a lot of opp- opportunities also to create a, a very nice customer experience, a positive customer experience there. So yeah, um, I, I and, and, certainly agree with that. And that's frankly where you know uh, a lot of the insure tech startups that are seems like one coming every week or so. But uh, and I think that's where they're seeing opportunity on their side in terms of helping with creating a better uh, platform and process for a better customer experience. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess to, to wrap up, I think it's a, that's a great segue into my last question, which is how do you, what do you think that the future of customer experience looks like? Uh, I guess both within insurance and, and in general. Well, I, it's, it's a key. Um, it, it's a cornerstone of creating and then building a long-term relationship. And a lot of what's going on now, certainly with personal lines insurance, the personal auto homeowners, uh, you see a lot of the Geico and the progressives and the insurance and a lot of online stuff there. You know, so how sensitive is price when you have a great customer experience? Mm-hmm. I believe the commodity nature of some of that right now actually can be rolled back as a better customer experience is created. So price is always important, yet why do people pay 250 for a bottle of water that they could get for free or 25 cents? Well, there's a perception of value, importance, experience, lots of things that go into that. I think those are some similar things that the industry certainly uh, needs to be working on creating uh, to, to help build a better experience. I think that's a that's a, a great point about 
price versus customer experience. Often, uh, you know, a lot of surveys have found that that customer experience actually uh, supersedes price and importance when it comes to competing products. So I think I think you're you're spot on there. I couldn't agree more. So, well, I listen, Steve, I really, you know, that that concludes our, our questions for today. <laughs> I wanted to really take, take the, th the time to thank you for speaking with us. I think it was a, a, a very interesting to hear more about guided conversations and uh, and just getting to know how you think about customer experience within the insurance space. Well, it was a pleasure, you know, talking with you, and, and uh, I certainly enjoyed it. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, keeping in touch on on your solution, your uh, process for for helping build out a better experience. Absolutely. Hopefully, we can have you again uh, on the podcast as a guest, and and we, we will certainly be keeping in touch. And to all of our listeners out there, uh, keep making moves. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers, the Sale Move podcast on customer experience. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To learn how SailMove enables companies to provide an in-person customer experience online, please visit SailMove.com.